So Luke 2, beginning at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Christmas, great to see you. Uh, my name's uh, Dave Shannon. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to be able to open the scriptures uh, with you this morning. Well, we're familiar, aren't we, with the Christmas story. That's probably why you came to church uh, this morning. Uh, we know about the angels and the shepherds from the Bible reading. We know about Mary and Joseph in their long journey. And of course, Jesus, the star of the show, the baby in the manger. It is a familiar story to us. For some of us, we love this story. It's why we come, we celebrate each year. Each day we celebrate these things. But for some of us, it might be a story that we learned when we were kids. But as we've grown up, well, it's just become a bit of a tradition. It's something, a story we listen to before we eat way too much food this afternoon or before we watch cricket tomorrow. Uh, for some of us, we may see it as a bit of a myth, uh, a children's story a standalone event, as if what we just heard in the Bible then, in the Bible reading, was all there is to the story. But could you imagine picking up a book, reading the first chapter, and really getting into it, you really like that first chapter, and then you decide to close the book up, put the book down, and just not read any further? Or could you imagine watching The Lord of the Rings, or any movie uh, for that fact, and just watching the first scene, and then you, you're really into it and you want to know what's going to happen. But then you just turn it off. Uh, and you miss the rest of the story. 
It's the same with, with art. My wife, I can't see her anyway, she's here somewhere. Oh, there she is. Uh, she's a great artist. Uh, and if she stopped after that first stroke, it would be amazing because she's amazing and it would look incredible. But it wouldn't be finished. Uh, it would be lacking. You see, if we stop something at the beginning, how can we understand the whole story? We can't stop at the start and expect to fully understand the whole story. And it is the same with the Christmas story. The angels, uh, the shepherds, the baby, these are just the beginning. And as we'll see, the story actually points uh, to the end. Well, the birth of Jesus uh, is told really, really briefly here. I'm not sure if you noticed that there. So from verse 7 or line 7, it says this, She, that is Mary, I've got it up on the screen for you to follow along. She, that is Mary, uh, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. We don't really get much detail here, do we? We see that Mary, she gives birth and then she places Jesus in a manger. Uh, a man- it took me years to figure out what a manger was. A manger is an animal feeding trough. I've actually got a picture here. That is a manger. Animals eat food out of it. So in case you've been lost and never knew what it was, there you go. Uh, that's what it is. We don't get much more detail though, do we? We don't get the detail of why there was no guest room available. There's certainly nothing in the text that explains why they were arriving in Bethlehem, whether they were the last to arrive in Bethlehem. We don't get that detail. We don't get detail that they've got the rough end of the stick or that they're really poor. We just don't get that kind of detail in the text. Rather, it tells us that it was time to give birth. She did and placed him in that feeding trough. But the detail we actually get in the Bible here. Uh, is why Mary and Joseph travelled south, why they went from Galilee up in the north, why they travelled down south to Bethlehem. Because this is 100 kilometres, it's about 100 kilometres in today's time, it probably took them a bit longer then, uh, and they would have walked. You see, and they make this big trek because Caesar Augustus, he was the the first uh, Roman emperor, uh, and he issued a census Uh, That is, he he wanted to tax the people in his empire. And so for that time, at that time, that included the Jewish people. And for the Jews, they needed to go back to their hometowns uh, to be counted and to be taxed. And so for Joseph, who belonged to the the line of David, uh, that made a trip down south to Bethlehem. And Mary joined him. And you see in the text, when we see things like uh, Augustus, and Quinius and other types of names here, we see that this story isn't made up. These are real people from a real time in history. We can actually go back and fact-check these people. In fact, Luke, the guy who wrote this section that we're looking at today, he has said right at the very start of his book, he said that he's investigated the evidence really carefully. He's taking the effort to speak to all these different people who saw these things for themselves to compile it so that he's spoken to those who have seen these events take place. And so he would have spoken to the uh, shepherds. He would have spoken to Mary. How else would he have such intimate details about what was said and what happened at that time? You see, we are dealing with a true story here. 
Well, Mary and, most, uh, Mose, uh, Mary and Joseph uh, make their way to Bethlehem, uh, where the birth of Jesus takes place. And after the birth uh, comes the message. We see some shepherds are in the field and they're minding their own business. And they're doing what shepherds do best. They're looking after their sheep. When all of a sudden, verse 9, have a look there, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. You see, it's the middle of the night. The shepherds are doing their thing when the glory of the Lord shines brightly around them and suddenly they're terrified, as you can imagine. Could you imagine like it's the middle of the night and you go to put the bin out the front of your house when you notice something in the middle of the road and you kind of go out to investigate, oh, what's the thing in the road? And so you kind of walk down, you, you bend down and looking at this thing in the middle of the road and then all of a sudden there's high beams flashing on you and they're coming closer and closer and you'd be pushed, they're terrified that these lights are suddenly on you and just as you get back onto the footpath, the car fangs past you. You'd be terrified, right? Those lights would have frightened you. Well, just imagine what it would have been like for these shepherds. And we're talking before high beams, before electricity, when candlelight was awesome. The brightness from these angels would have been terrifying, blinding and terrifying. But the angel, uh, which is God's messengers, uh, God's, uh, angels are God's messengers, uh, uh, he says this in, verse, uh, in line 10, have a look there. Uh, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. They will cause great joy for all the people. And the angel of the Lord announces good news. But not to the elite of society. Not to those with power and status and privilege. They, re- they reveal this good news to the lowly, the dirty, smelly shepherds who spend all their days and nights in the field. You see, it's the shepherds who hear this news first. And it is good, momentous, incredibly joyous, good news. In 1945, uh, at the end of the Second World War, uh, the news broke out that the war was finally over. And there was an outburst of joy, like nothing that had been seen before. People spilled out onto the streets, into the middle of the roads to rejoice, to dance, to cheer. This war that had gone on for years and years was finally over. It was such momentously good news and people celebrated long into the night. And the angel of the Lord brings momentously, fantastically good news. And this news is far, far, far better than the end of the war. You see, here lies the Christmas test. Here lies the test for us this morning. If Jesus isn't the best news, his birth, his arrival, if this news isn't the best news you've ever heard, then you can be sure that you don't understand this news. If Jesus' arrival isn't the best, best thing ever, then you haven't got it. You see, why is it such good news? Why does it bring such joy? Let's have a look at the next line there. Today, in the town of David, 
a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, Jesus, that baby in the manger, the feeding trough, he's the saviour. He came to begin the great rescue. You see, what comes to your mind when you think Christmas? Is it presents? Is it Christmas trees? Is it driving around and seeing Christmas lights? Is it eating too much food? Is that what you think about at Christmas? Or do you think on the negative side of the, oh, there's so much to do, so much planning, oh, oh, not enough time. Or when you think Christmas, do you think rescuer? The rescuer, the saviour has come. You see, we all need a saviour. We all need to be rescued. But here's the thing. We think we can live however we want to live. That we can ignore God, that we can push him away and think, I don't need to be rescued. Do you know what I do for a job? I rescue people all the time. (laughs) I don't need a rescuer. But you see, this is our problem. As we say that, we're pushing God away. We think, I don't need a rescuer. And yet we are easily deceived. Uh, many years ago, I uh, worked night shift uh, sorting uh, mail just down the road at Deep Dean, actually. Uh, it was a good job whilst I was studying at university. Uh, but because of this job working night shift and studying at the same time, I would sleep at really weird and strange hours uh, during the day. Uh, and uh, when my mates would ring me, I'd kind of like uh, have a bit of fun. And so they'd ring me up in the middle of the day and I'd be like, hello, and I like pretend I'm asleep. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry for waking you up and all this. And I'm like, nah, just kidding. You see, I could, I could trick them pretty well. See, we can deceive other people really, really easily. And we can deceive ourselves as well by thinking, I don't need a rescuer. I don't need to be rescued. I do not need a saviour but we are easily deceived. In fact, we're deceived by the things we think and say sometimes. Do you know, I looked up this week, uh, or last week, or this week, this week, uh, what it is that people want for this world. What do you think people want for this world? Two big things. People want world peace. And people want renewable energy so that we can live in this place for longer and longer. And these are good things to want for our world. But if we're honest... If we are honest and look deeper within our hearts, we may want world peace. But that doesn't change the way that we treat other people. In bitterness, contempt, hatred, even rage at others. We want world peace, but we are not at peace with others. And we may desire to be green. And yet for most of us, that doesn't change the way that we live. You see, we want these good things but we are easily deceived and when push comes to shovel, we do not change. And it's the same with us. You see, the problem is actually within us, within our hearts, is what the Bible calls sin, our rejection of God, of pushing God away. And yet we need a rescuer. We need someone to save us. You see, we want to push God away and yet God longs to know us. He wants to be in a relationship with us. 
And this is why he sends his son, Jesus, so that he can be in a relationship uh, with us. You see, how we treat others matters. In our families, in our places of work, down our street. And how we treat God matters too. And when we push God away, when we push him away and reject him as our maker, not acknowledge him as our sustainer of all things, then that is what we're doing. We're pushing him away and we are treating him poorly. And yet he made the world. He's the rightful ruler of this world. He is the rightful judge. You see, God's going to right all wrongs. All those evil atrocities we see in the world, God will right them one day. But see, as he he writes those evils in the world that we see around us, that includes our wrongs, our evils as well. He is going to right the wrongs we have done as well. You see, we will all face God's judgment at some point for the way that we have treated others and the way that we have treated God. And who's going to pay for this wrongdoing? You see, here is the momentously good, joyous news of Christmas. You see, Jesus, the Saviour, has been born. You see, I said at the start that we need to to read on from the Christmas, Christmas story. And as we move forward 30 years down the track, we see that Jesus, he is hanging on a cross. And this is what he says. It's up on the screen. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. That is, Jesus died. He willingly died. You see, who's going to pay for our wrongdoing? Well, Jesus paid that price. He died the death that we deserve in our place. He faces God's judgment, death, so that we don't have to. This is the great rescue. Uh, Every Christmas, uh, I seem to be given some kind of body wash uh, by my family. It's usually some fancy, organic, top-shelf body wash, but it's still body wash, and so it seems I have a problem. My family, those closest to me, they think that I smell. Uh, And so to fix this problem, they give me fancy, organic body, body wash each year. And while being smelly is a problem, How bad is our problem if the only way we can be rescued is through the death of Jesus? You see, Christmas is a great time of rejoicing because Jesus, the Saviour, the Rescuer, has been born. And you see, as we read on, we see that Jesus dies to rescue and save us. Well, the birth of Jesus has taken place and the shepherds have heard the message that is the good news that the saviour, the rescuer, has been born. And finally, we see the response. The shepherds, they rush into town to find the baby in the manger, just like they've been told. And they're bursting with joy. And they're telling 
everyone about the things that they've been told by the angels. They tell everyone that the promised Saviour has finally come. You see, the shepherds, they actually respond in faith here. They've been approached by the angels uh, and, and they respond and they believe what they've said to them and they act upon it. They praise and glorify God for the privilege of having heard the message and having seen Jesus for themselves. Let me ask you, how are you going to respond to the Christmas message this morning? To the good news that the Saviour, the Rescuer, has been born. You're here this morning, so that is great. But once you leave those doors, will it become yesterday's news? Like a discarded Herald Sun chucked in the bin. Let me encourage you to continue reading the story. Investigate the life of Jesus and see some of the incredible, amazing things that he did and that he died and yet rose from the grave alive. Keep reading the story because Jesus truly is the greatest news there ever was. For others of us, we might be a bit like Mary who heard these things and treasured them up and pondered them in her heart. Are we going to continue to ponder uh, the good news of Jesus the Saviour day by day, continue to rejoice in him daily that the Saviour has come to save us? Well, today is Christmas and I do hope it is a joyous day for you. But far better than the present you will get. The present that you've always wanted. Far better than Australia winning the cricket in the next three days or anything else. As at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. In the words of the angel, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. You see, the birth has happened. The message of the saviour started with the shepherds, but it comes to us now too, that we too can hear this message today. And how will we respond? Because when we respond in faith, we can have peace with God. Because Jesus is this joyous, great news. We're going to stand and sing again, so please don't forget to wear your mask as we uh, sing. Uh, this next uh, carol is a bit of a, uh, a Shannon, I'm a Shannon uh, family uh, favourite, uh, and it's a great reminder of the great joyous joy that we have in Christ, uh, that we receive comfort and joy at Christmas time in the arrival of our King. Let's